This morning, uh, I want to bring you a message from 1 Thessalonians, the very first chapter. So if you'll turn there. We'll read the, uh, that whole first chapter. It's not very long, but it's very, very good. First Thessalonians, the first chapter. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus under the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and in Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Let's bow our heads. Father, we just praise you again for thy word, for preserving it for us, for keeping it for us, and then for giving us the understanding. There are things so simple to a believer's understanding and so difficult to the world And uh, we just want to thank you for the little bit of knowledge we have because you've given it to us. Now, as we talk this morning about turning to God, what a wonderful turning that is in an individual when they turn to God from idols. And uh, we ask this morning that as we read and as we teach, that thy spirit will be the one to quicken our understandings and give us more knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ that we can praise him and thank him more and more. We pray in his precious name. Amen. So uh, we want to kind of look at verse 9. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how ye turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Oh, what a change takes place in the life of a sinner 
whom God turns around. When he says ye turn to God from idols, it wasn't easy. People love their idols. Talk about my wife, my kids, my parents, but don't talk about my religion. God doesn't sugarcoat an invitation to religious sinners with pats on the back and condemnation uh, of how uh, serious or loyal they were to their false god. You know, that doesn't work. Uh, let's see kind of what God's word says about this. Proverbs 1, verse 23. Proverbs 1, 23 It says, turn you at my reproof. It's on page 974. Turn you at my reproof, and behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. You see, there's, there's a command here with promise. Turn you at my reproof. Well, who likes to be reproved? Who likes to be corrected? Man doesn't like to be reproved any more than God likes to be refused. But here it's a one-way street. Either you turn to God from your idols or God turns away from you. Now, you're there in Proverbs 1. Look at verse 26. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. Why? Because in verse 25... You have said it not my counsel, and would none of my reproof. Well, what does God present to man in regard to the command to turn? He says his reproof. Well, what is the reproof? Well, that's easy to find in the Bible. Let's turn to John 16 and look at verse 8. John 16, 8. when he is come who that's the comforter in the verse just above and the comforter happens to be the Holy Spirit when he is come he will reprove there's the reproof God's talking about he will reprove the world of sin of righteousness and of judgment now in our letter to the Thessalonians Paul said they turned to God from idols so what did Paul preach? Well, first of all, he had to take the law of God and show these folks that worshiping an idol is sin. Now, it's strange when we read the Old Testament how these people, all people, just had this thing about them that they wanted to worship something they could look at. And uh, is it any different today? So many, many, many of the houses that we can see as we drive down any street, anywhere, they've got these little statues standing up around the house. But there's one in Tickfall when we go up there to preach on the, on the road going there. They must have about, oh, maybe 10 or 12 of them, all lined up across the front of the house, just so pretty, Joseph and Mary and 
And uh, you just name it. Maybe they got Joseph a couple. I don't know. I didn't take time to try to distinguish them. But can you imagine? People are still idol worshipers, just like they were in the Old Testament. There's, there's no change in normal, natural people. Now, there are do-gooders. And uh, they have a rule. They say, well, don't talk about another person's religion. The first thing that a sinner who is awakened does is he loses his religion. This is simple to know because we have experienced that. Well, God's rules say that you're not to make an idol and certainly not to worship one. Look at Exodus 20, verse 3 through 5. Exodus 20. Three through five. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Simple, sixth grade English, you're not to make idols. Hey, I drove up to Baton Rouge the other day. There's a place we pass by that makes idols. They have hundreds and hundreds of them in their yard. They sell them. They, they're the manufacturers. And uh, it kind of reminds me in the book of Acts of this guy that was a silversmith and he made uh, idols to Diana. They worship, they worship Diana. And uh, it's the same today. Just that uh, it's on a larger scale. They, you never saw so many idols out in one person's yard, they, they sell them over there. Well, God calls that sin. And sin against God is a, against a holy, eternal God deserves eternal punishment. And that was only the introduction to sin by way of reproof because the next pill they had to swallow was their sin nature. Now, Paul, I'm sure, took them to Jeremiah 17.9. So, uh, let's, you and I go there and see what Paul took them to. Jeremiah 17.9. See, first of all, Paul had to preach to these Thessalonians that God hates sin, that they were sinners. And now, about their nature... Jeremiah 17, 9, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins. And uh, so Paul on his own told them exactly what he told the Romans. And uh, he preached about the fall of man. All right, well, let's go to Romans 3. First of all, Romans 3, we'll just follow the, the path that Paul took to preach to the Thessalonians. Romans 
As it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth, there's none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way, they are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. And then about the fall of man, if you turn to Romans 5 and look at verse 12. Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, that's Adam, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You see, only those whose hearts the Holy Spirit opened to receive such a reproof ever turn to God. If you have never been under Holy Spirit conviction, then you don't even know what I'm talking about. Do you accept reproof or not? Are you a lost sinner who has set his heart against God's rules and worshipped in your heart the things of the world that please you the most? Well, that's what most people do. Those are your idols. Anything you put above the Lord Jesus Christ or above your eternal life is an idol. It can be things or people or both. It could have been way back when... uh, I was a boy, it could have been the New York Yankees or Babe Ruth, or it could be Jailhouse Rock or Elvis. Come on, just pick your field, and in it you can select your idol. God's Word says, come out from among the world system. Look at 2 Corinthians 6. 2 Corinthians 6. And this is going to be on page 1705. And uh, we start with verse 16 and read through 18. Now what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? What's the temple of God? Your body. For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I'll be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Well, God's word says, beware of anything in the world. Okay, that's 1 John 2, verse 15. 1 John 2, 15. Love not the world. Neither do things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. What are we saying? You can't take anything with you out of this life. The only thing that goes on beyond is what you have done for Christ and what God has done for you. You see, whoever doeth the will of God abideth forever, and that will of God is to uh, search the Scriptures, find the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, kneel at his, uh, at his feet, take the reproof, uh, plead guilty, acknowledge God's Word to be the truth, You know, it says that people go to hell just for not having a love of the truth. 
A lot of people read the truth, know the truth, but they don't love it. And that's kind of baffling uh, to, to my mind that you've got to have a love. Well, let me show it to you. It's in Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians. Um, let me see here. Second Thessalonians two, and uh, we'll start reading at verse eight. It's on page seventeen forty-seven. And then shall that wicked be revealed, and this is going to be the Antichrist, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. You see, this so-called big-time warfare that's going to come upon the world, and Antichrist is going to have all the power and rule. You see how simple the thing is going to end? It's telling you the end right here. And the world is going to be in, in shambles. It's going to be in a horrible condition with this guy leading them. But uh, hey, he hasn't any power compared to the Lord. This is whom the spirit of his mouth, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, merely speaking, and it's all over and done, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Now we're talking on verse 9 about Antichrist again. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. And why do they perish? Huh. Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. God's word is so very, very important. I mailed a Bible to a nephew of mine that I hadn't seen in years. I had just recently heard that he had pancreatic cancer and had a surgery done over in Houston uh, at that clinic that's so famous over there. And uh, I, I just have always loved him, and even though we weren't close. So I, I sent him a Bible, and in the front of it I wrote, You can't go to heaven without a road map. So uh, may the Lord bless this to you and hopefully he will be a cancer survivor. Uh, I understand pancreatic cancer is very, very uh, painful and very life-threatening. So uh, I just pray the Lord will open his heart. If he hasn't already, I, that we don't know. I, I don't read hearts. I don't read people. I only know that the Bible says the heart's deceitful above all things, desperately wicked, and that's mine. So if that's mine, uh, heavens knows what yours is like, it's probably a lot better than mine. But anyhow, you've got to have God's Word. So Paul must have told them of the works of Christ who said that the world is going to hate you for my sake. Now you see, to tell somebody the story of the gospel to tell to encourage them to be a follower of Christ you've also got to be true to them tell them hey you're going to suffer persecution and that's exactly what the Lord taught himself look at um, John 15 verse 18 and 19 John 15 18 and 19 if the world hates you 
You know that it hated me before it hated you. The whole world? Yeah, that's right. If you were of the world, the world would love his own, but because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of... This is important. If you have any spiritual interest in your own soul at all, it's because Christ has chosen you out of the world systems and given you the spiritual interest. But I have chosen you out of the world, and therefore the world hateth you. And that hatred is going to start where? <laughs> right in your own family. Look at Matthew 10, verse 34. You see, that this is the things that people don't like about the gospel. It tells you just exactly how it's going to happen and why it's going to happen. And people don't like that. This will be on page 1420. And it will start at the bottom of the page on verse 34. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. Of course, you see that on bumper stickers all over, don't you? No, you don't. This is one thing they will <coughs> never make into a bumper sticker because the bumper stickers say, Hey, smile. Christ loves you. Okay? Christ died for all sinners. So he loves you. Come on. I came not to send peace but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Is that why that's like that? Huh, I didn't understand that. Daughter-in-law, mother-in-law. Well, it doesn't happen when they're a believer. Believers love another. Well, they love... <laughs> okay, let me back up. Mother-in-laws and daughter-in-laws generally are at odds one another, but it's not like that when one is a believer. They, uh, if the other is an unbeliever, they're going to pray for him. They're going to do him good. They're going to be sweet. They're going to be as nice as they can possibly be because the Lord has had mercy upon them. But this is normally speaking. A man's foes shall be they of his own household. Why? Because God usually calls one at a time. And you can't drag your husband or your wife or your kids or your uncle or your grandparents. You can't bring anybody with you when you're coming to Christ. The Holy Spirit generally works one at a time. But there are instances in the scriptures where he saves thousands at a time. But we're talking about right now, our life, how the Spirit operates. He operates one on one. And he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of son or daughter. Don't, don't we just love the daylights out of our kids? You know, some of us love the daylights out of our pets. Just fondle, just, just love them. But you can't do that when it's in comparison to the Lord Jesus Christ. He comes first with everything. And he that taketh not his cross, and followeth after me, is not worthy of me. What's this cross? You have to go out and cut down a tree and make a wood? No. The cross is going to be self-denial. You've got to deny yourself of things of this world that other people just take so freely. 
Um, and I'm not going to go into a list of things that other people do that they're not supposed to. Now, all of that was true as Paul mentions their afflictions and persecutions. So let's go back to the first chapter of 1 Thessalonians where we started. 1 Thessalonians. And in verse 6, he says, And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction. Okay. Could be the family members. Could just be friends. Could be anybody or anything. But with the affliction also comes joy of the Holy Ghost. Deep down in you know that you're secure because Christ is your substitute. He's your Redeemer. He's your Savior, your elder brother, the one who is going to share His creation with you because believers are said to be joint heirs with Christ. That, that's a thought so beyond any of us that you can't begin to comprehend what we're saying here. Joint heirs with Christ. He's, he's made everything and everything was made for Him and by Him. Everything. Not just what you're walking on here on the earth or can see. It's everything in heaven or on earth. And the Bible even mentions under the earth. 1 Thessalonians 2.14 We's talking about tribulation yet? Let's see. For ye, First uh, Thessalonians two fourteen. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which are in Judea and are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. All right, still talking about suffering. Chapter three. Verse 3, that no man should be moved by these afflictions, for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. God afflicts his children. But it's called chastisement. It's not called punishment. And the scriptures say if, you're, if you totally escape chastisement, evidently you don't belong in the family. Because a father always chastises his children to correct them because he loves them. And that's one of the reasons why Israel was punished over and over and over again for their sin. Because God loved them. He didn't cast them off, punish them, and then cast them off completely and forget about them. He would always come back. He would always and they would always sin again. Reading that Old Testament and that book of uh, Kings and Chronicles and watching one king after another, it said that he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Uh, it, it's, it's disheartening. And yet it's a picture of the normal, natural human heart. The normal, natural human heart is just as sinful as Israel was as a nation. And then every once in a while they'd have a good king. I just arrived at a good one this morning in my daily readings. His name was Asa. 
and uh, his dad was bad, and then his kids were bad, but hey, every once in a while, God has an elect soul, and uh, that just thrills my heart. Well, when God sets his love upon a sinner, to draw that sinner to Christ, the reproof is accepted as truth, the persecution is accepted as proof that the scriptures don't lie. This was a brand new religion. Never heard of before Paul was preaching. These people and their parents and all their ancestors were aliens to the commonwealth of Israel. Strangers from the covenants of promise. Without hope and worst of all, they were without God. Look at Ephesians 2 and verse 12. Ephesians 2 verse 12 That at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. And God reached down and gave these Gentiles faith to believe what Paul preached. That's 1 Thessalonians 2.13. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 For this cause also thank ye, we God, without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it as not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectively worketh also in you that believe. Why do I say over and over again the most important part of a message particularly that I bring, is the reading of God's Word. God's Word is precious. God's Word is going to be eternal. God's Word is where the truth is. When I read you God's Word, God's Spirit can take it home to the hearts of those that hear. Lots of preachers preach and they might mention God's word once or twice or they read it out of some other version that don't even sound like a Bible but I know it just takes one word by the Holy Spirit making it real to a heart and uh, you don't have to worry about that sinner anymore they will either seek or if they're already saved they're going to be crying unto the Lord thanking him praising him uh, and all praise and honor belongs unto God and God reached down and gave Gentiles faith to believe. An example of how Paul preached, well, let's go to Acts 17. Look at verse 16. Acts 17 and verse 16. I don't think we're going to get to finish our message here this morning. We'll read this scripture because it's uh, interesting how an individual with a very, very strange message could go into a city renowned for its knowledge and uh, put them down. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. I wonder what he would do if he was to visit uh, New Orleans 
New York, Chicago, San Francisco, oh, name it, any place, Houston, Texas, uh, Homa, what would Paul think? Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons, and in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him. And some said, What will this babbler say? Uh, Others some, He seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him into the Acropolis, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is? For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears, and we would know therefore what these things mean. And all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Gossipers, huh? Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you're too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. And here he goes with creation. Starts off with creation. He always does. God who made. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven. Now can we jump from earth to heaven? That he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed. Isn't that interesting? Who appointed him? He did. And the bounds of their habitations, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. See, I'm not going to finish this now because our time is running out. We'll continue on here tonight. But um, what we were doing this morning is reviewing what Paul must have said to these Thessalonians that they turned from idols to serve the living and true God. There's got to be a turning in every person's life. There's got to be a before and after. There's a before when you cared nothing about eternal things. There's an after when the Lord Jesus Christ has become precious to you, when he's become everything. Just make sure that you know that there was a dividing line and a dividing point when you didn't know and then when you did know, this is calling, making your calling and election sure. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you and praise you this morning for our Lord Jesus Christ. We have no other hope in this life, and particularly no other hope in the other life, except that Christ is our Redeemer. He's paid our sin debt with his life and his blood. 
And thou hast given us faith to trust him, to trust in his blood, to know that the word of God is a, a true word, that this is the road map to heaven, that thy word is so closely associated with the Lord Jesus Christ that he himself is called the word of God. Oh, make these things precious to our heart. May we think on them. May we commune with thee throughout the day, throughout the hours of every day. Uh, Lord, just work in our hearts to make us better followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. You're all dismissed. <laughs>